greet you all in the name of Jesus this morning. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6. Continuing on in Revelation, uh, last time we looked at citizenship and how the Lamb took the book of life and opened it, and the Lamb broke the seals, and each of those seals was an event that extremely affected mankind. Uh, seven seals, and the first four seals were open, were of horsemen, and uh, people try to interpret what those horsemen mean and what they all infer. Um, all I know is that uh, they represent extremely difficult times. That I do know. Um, but we're going to move on to the look at the fifth and the sixth seal and things that uh, I believe we as a church need to understand um, in our time and also in the time to come of persecution. The fifth seal that is open pictures the souls of them who were slain for the word of God receiving white robes. Um, what a what a time! What a glorious time! Now, I how many of you, how many of us in America are at a place where we're looking for hope? We're looking for a win. I mean, just we just want to win. We're being decimated and beat up and. We just would love to have a win. Um, can you imagine this book of Revelation being written to a persecuted church who are losing their loved ones? They're being killed all the day long. They don't have a house like we know a house. They don't have the comfort of a, a, a job, a good income. They, they don't have any of that. Uh, they know what persecution is. and They know what losing loved ones is. and They know what... Uh, headaches are at a major extreme. You know what? They they have a forward look. They're they're looking forward for a hope somewhere. Uh, it's obviously not here. They're looking forward. So when you talk about heaven to somebody in Iran, I, I'm telling you, they're awake because this is what they're living. They're looking for a hope beyond what they have. But we get so comfortable. Um, actually, the word would probably be complacent. With hey, we got a good life. I I really don't need something different than what I'm got now. Is not not that bad. I got it pretty good. And we lose the sight of I'm looking for a home. Um, Hebrews describes that and in detail of Abraham. It says he died in faith, um, like many are today in Iran and North Korea and all over. Not having received the promise, but having seen it far off and embraced it and confessed, I'm a stranger and a pilgrim here. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They desire a better country that is in heavenly whereof God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now that's a city that we can have hope in. Um, Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. This is the sixth seal that is open. It's the seal right after they, they gain this picture that those who were slain for the word of God receiving white robes. Chapter 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, even as a fig tree casting her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men 
And every bondman and every free man hid themselves in dens and in rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, who shall be able to stand? Um, currently, the earthly kingdoms and individuals of the world are terrorizing millions of Christians. Today, China, North Korea, Turkey, Iran, Colombia, Iraq, and America and Canada, there is a march against true Christianity. Uh, North Korea, there's estimated to be 100,000 Christians in harsh labor camps. We're talking about um, Nazi Germany type camps. That's in North Korea today, 100,000 Christians in harsh labor camps. Chinese government demolished over a 1,000 churches slash religious buildings last year. Thousands of them. Eritrea, which I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I never really even heard of it. Northern Africa, if if they, if you are living in that country, um, and you are found meeting together as Christians in any way, shape, or form, you will be arrested and you will be sent to prison. Iran, three hundred thousand Christians face arrest, torture, and death. And can you hear the message when, when they read this? One day the heavens are going to be rolled back like a scroll. And one day they're going to see the Lamb, and the Lamb is here for business. And it says when that day happens, every king, every great man, in fact, every servant, even the bondman, every free man, everyone who has pushed Unashamed against the Christian faith. One day, when the skies are rolled back, they're gonna all run for the caves and say, I gotta hide somewhere, I gotta hide. I gotta get away from the wrath of the Lamb. But currently, in patience, God is waiting for the fruit of Christianity to bring forth, for the vine to bring forth fruit. And so currently, these kings and even America, unashamedly pushing against Christianity in a different form than we see in Iran. Um, one day, they'll run and hide. Uh, we, we, like I say, we read those verses and we think, oh, okay. But how about seeing all your loved ones, your family as you know it, taken from you? And how about you seeing yourself in prison and yourself tortured and whipped and bruised and then hearing the message, hey, friends, one day it's guaranteed the Lamb will win. There's no question about it. The Lamb will win. It's as sure as the God who created the heaven and earth, as He spoke that world into existence, this world into existence, as He spoke everything in existence, as sure as He's created this world is as sure as this word, the Lamb will win. The non-Christian is becoming so unbashingly pushing against Christianity. There's no thought of retreat. Um, it's said on the eve of Napoleon's departure on his Russian campaign. If you know the story of Napoleon, he was a great conqueror until he ran into the Russian campaign. It was all over from Napoleon after the Russian campaign. 
On his way there, the night before he left, he detailed his schemes to a noble lady with such arrogant positivity. And she tried to check him, saying, Sir, man proposes, but God disposes. And Napoleon is said to have answered, Madam, I propose and I dispose as well. And that was the last campaign. He actually ran into something greater than himself. And that's the picture of Revelation. There's people all over the world who are facing battles that we don't even understand and can't even really picture, although we try. And the message of Revelation is, friends, hang on and persevere because the Lamb will win. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. So for this first part, picture yourself being in Iran as a persecuted Christian. Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for deliverance? Are you looking for a home that is secure? Not a home that you go to and you think, you know, I wonder if they're busting in here tonight to take me and my family away. A home, a hope, and deliverance. That's what they're looking for. And picture yourself in Iran this morning as, as we read Revelation 12 verses 9 through 11. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice of heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. They see in reality how Satan has been cast out of heaven, how he is realizing his time is short on earth, and he is going to push and he is going to crush everything he can. But as we read for the persecuted church the message this morning, it says they overcame him. They won. They weren't crushed under this, this difficult experiences. The Lamb will win. And this is how they overcame Him. By the blood of the Lamb, uh, get, this is how we can get clean from sin. By the word of their testimony. And that, that to me is just absolutely incredible. There has to be a love for Jesus greater than just a, you know, I want to commit my life to the Lord today. And that's about as deep as it goes for the rest of my life. But somehow I'm in because I prayed a prayer. By the word of their testimony, when you look at somebody in a state of persecution, uh, would it not be beneficial to say, you know, I really believe in a silent witness. You know, people don't have to hear me saying, Jesus, they can tell by my life that I'm different. This is how they overcame that beast, that serpent. That devil, this is how they overcame him. By the word of their testimony, they was willing to say the word. They was willing to stand up, even when it meant their life. This is how they overcame. And then it says, and they loved not their lives even unto death. You take my life, and that's alright with me. Because I'm going for a home. The Lamb will win. Uh, 
I believe for the persecuted church in Iran, every chapter in Revelation brings hope. Every, every chapter brings pictures, a home, a victory. The Lamb will win. But we're not in Iran. There's nobody here who, who says, you know, I, I had to stand before the governor and it was my life or my testimony. And I chose my testimony and gave my life. There's nobody here who had that experience last week, obviously. So what about in America? Is Revelations for America? I believe wholeheartedly it is. There's two things in Revelations that are pictured. One is the beast, and one is the harlot. The beast of incredible, vicious beast. And the harlot, a very beautiful woman. And both of them, actually the harlot is carried about by the beast, by this vicious beast. Turn to Revelation chapter 17. <clears throat> and where are we at in America? Are we struggling with the beast pushing us and trying to capture us and kill us and maim us and do anything he can? Or are we struggling with the harlot? Either way, Satan is trying to push against the church. And we have to gain this vision of the pure gospel and holding to it because one day the lamb, the, the, the clouds are going to be rolled back. The heavens are going to be rolled back. And one thing's for sure, the lamb will win. So let's persevere no matter the conflict. Here's the conflict pictured. I believe for us, it's real, very real for us in America. Revelation chapter 17 and starting at verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore, which that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting, sorry, I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The imagery here is the beast is propagating this woman. This vicious beast is carrying this woman. And it is a beautiful woman. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. We all know of the symbolism of the church is the bride of Christ. But here is a beautiful lady that literally John openly says, and I wondered at her with great admiration. Admiration. Verse 7 says, uh, Correction from the angel, and the angel said unto her, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Um, that is a statement of correction as you read it in what it is exactly saying. Um, if, you, if you get the picture, you see the beast, you see a beautiful lady decked in purple and gold and and he took and he looked and he, he was, wow, that is beautiful. 
And the angel said to him, literally, why are you marveling? Um, if you can picture this as a crude illustration as you're driving through New York City and your wife is sitting beside you and there's a prostitute over on the sidewalk and she looks beautiful and you take a second look, your wife will say, what are you looking at? That's exactly what's happening here. The angel says, why did you marvel? He goes on to say the beast that is carrying the harlot is from the bottomless pit. The harlot doesn't use war to conquer. They use beauty. They use things that sound good. They use things that appear good. They don't use pain to try to crush and immobilize. They try to use beauty. They try to use a fake love that's just about as real as you can come up with. The prostitute or harlot doesn't mind if you're married to another. They only want to be a sideline. And that is so important for us to understand as the church of Jesus Christ. The prostitute is an enemy trying to overpower, but not by fighting, but a fakeness to their love. And they don't mind if you're married to another. They simply want to be a sideline. This harlot was, it's stated in Scripture, the mother of harlots. Now I believe... The book of Revelation is speaking to the church in America. The goal in these last days is that we lose our grip on single devotion to the Lamb and His doctrine. A single devotion to the Lamb and His doctrine. And I'm telling you, there's all kinds of garbage, there's all kinds of junk that look beautiful and that sound beautiful and that, how can it not be real? And I'm not talking about in the Baptist church, and I'm not talking about in the Methodist, and the Wesleyan, or wherever you want to go. I'm talking about all of us are in this battle where the harlot is trying to pull our minds. Doesn't this look beautiful? Doesn't this sound beautiful? And they are topics that we love. Grace, mercy, doctrine. And we hear them and we think, well, that sounds good. It sounds beautiful. I'm for that. And you know what? The story of grace and mercy and love is beautiful. But it got to line up here. Or it's of the harlot. I don't like saying current names. But you know, in Hollywood, do you know Madonna loves Jesus? Do you know Aaron Rodgers loves Jesus? Now they asked him about it, and I'm not trying to throw people under the bus and run over him, but I'm, they asked him, you serve Jesus? And he said, absolutely, it's real in my life. Not the Jesus of rules, the Jesus of love. It all sounds good, but what did Jesus say? Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so, there's the harlot gospel. It sounds beautiful. In fact, it looks beautiful. Why, why wouldn't we want it? It looks beautiful. It has to be of God. And then there's the real gospel. What Jesus actually said. And I'm all for reading books, and I'm all for, because if you don't read books, 
You're only thinking of your same thoughts and seeing a new way to spin them. If you read books, you can expand your knowledge and understand Scripture and life better, I believe. However, let's be careful that we're comparing things back to the true Gospel. Back to our love of the Lamb and His doctrine. Or we'll get wiped out way too quick. Revelation chapter 18, he goes on to speak of this this harlot. Verse 3, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Um, This is a very, very effective person. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled filled to her double, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Now I've wondered already, and in studying this, wondering, why does God allow this harlot to continue? I mean, in all reality, why isn't the harlot and the beast wiped out? Is it to prove us? Is it like Joseph that we experience things that prove, do you love the Lamb? And if you love the Lamb, there's a home prepared for you that you cannot even imagine, not even in America, what kind of home I have prepared for you. I, I came across the verse in Isaiah 66, verse 3 and 4. Says, yea, they have chosen their own way, and their soul delighteth in their abomination. In other words, Israel was choosing to do detestable things that they knew God didn't approve of, but they chose it anyway, and they okayed it. It says they have chosen their own way, and their soul delighted. I also will choose their delusions. God says, and I will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spoke. They did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. And there's there's where the picture of, it's serious for us. When we choose things that God doesn't delight in, we're going down a path of this delusion that we think, well, no, we got this figured out. I mean, we've been raised in the Mennonite church. We've been raised as a Christian. No, we don't have this thing figured out. When we start delighting in things, God says, That's not right. So the question, I guess, for us in America is, am I fully in love with the Lamb? Nothing will get in the way. Nothing. Am I fully in love with the Lamb? There's things that God hates that become acceptable. And they are part of the harlot and her followers. And it's actually right here in Scripture how it says the harlot, um, the connections the harlot has. And this harlot has beauty on the outside. We have to understand it. Even John himself looked at it and said, wow. Um, I believe the first connection the harlot has, 
that we need to be careful of is in verse 3. She has a connection with the kings of the earth and has a loving relationship with them. Do you ever hear of the political gospel? I'm not sure what the word is. There's a word here that I was struggling for all weekend. Couldn't come up with it. But it's the gospel that says, let's let's live for Jesus and let's promote Him through the state. Let's promote Him through the government. Um, let's let's reign, let's teach people how to serve Jesus. Uh, we'll take over the government and we'll pass laws that say no abortion. We'll pass laws that say no nudity, and we'll get this country straightened out if it's the last thing we do. So the church and the state come together as one force and say we're going to do this. We're going to pass laws. We're going to make it happen. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It has nothing to do with this program where you're trying to get laws in place of your land and saying, now we're going to be Christians all over. It's never going to happen. That is actually the harlot gospel. When we're looking and saying, let's connect a state church, sorry, let's connect the state with a church and make it a state church and let's do things. That's part of the harlot gospel. Now the second thing... Second connection I look at here is the harlot's relationship with riches. Uh, this should probably keep us up at night a little bit more than what it does. We have concern about media, and that's a legitimate concern. There's no one here who says, you know, I don't really care what happens on the Internet. My children are wide open, movies, whatever. There's no one here who says that. <clears throat> we have a concern about media. Let me ask you, is the love of Hollywood the root of all evil? Is the love of videos the root of all evil? Is the love of internet? Is the love of your job? Is the love of your hobby the root of all evil? Absolutely not. None of them. The love of money is the root of all evil. So we can sit with hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars and condemn everybody else, right? Because they're not following a line that we're looking at. However, the love of money destroys something in here. It's a harlot gospel. Now, I've never heard of somebody say, I'd like to confess I love money. Never heard of it. How do you know you love money? You think nobody in here at any time has loved money? Nobody? Wow. Somehow I got two million dollars in my bank, but I don't love money. It just happened. And you know what? I'm telling you, if I would have two million dollars in my bank, I would look at that as something beautiful. You maybe can't relate. I don't know. I would look at that and say, that is really, really nice. The Harlot Gospel connects Christianity and money, the love of money. Puts it into one. And friends, it looks beautiful. There, I think you're insane if you'd say, no, that doesn't attract me at all. I think we could look at that and say, you know what, there's a great admiration that 
I have to look away from. And I have to look and I have to keep focusing on the Lamb. More than just a line of, I can't love money, I can't love money, I can't love money. I have to look over and I have to focus on the Lamb. One day the beast that carries the harlot around is going to use money as a means to make a mark on everyone. Revelation chapter 14, if any man worships the beast or receives his mark in his forehead, one day our money is going to be worth zero. The Bible declares that. And it will put us in a spot that says, do you love money or do you love the lamb? You take the mark, God says you're none of his. Are you going to embrace suffering, persecution, and even death? Because you love the Lamb. And you're willing to let go of all the money. One day the beast is pushing this situation that we're in. And we can see it coming down the road, I believe. The, the, the beast is pushing this situation to make God's people make a choice. Do you love the Lamb? Or do you love your money? Friends, I think we get so twisted... We hear so little about the dangers of money. And we hear so much about a hundred other items. And yet Jesus brought it back many times more about money than about any other subject. And yet we look at it and say, yeah, but it's not the root of all evil. I think is how we understand it. But we have to come back and realize the beast is pushing this thing forward and wants us to embrace the harlot gospel. The relationship with kings, the relationship with money... And the last one is in verse 4, the relationship with sin. You know, you've heard of the prosperity gospel. It's a relationship with money and the church. You've heard of the political gospel where you try and connect the state. And you've also heard about the easy believism gospel. Accept Jesus in your heart. And Jesus accepts your stubbornness. You know, as long as you give up smoking and and flagrant sins, you're stubborn. That's all right. Jesus just accepts you as you are. Easy believism. This is what Jesus says. This is what the Lamb calls out of heaven. Come out of her, my people. And be not partakers of her sins that you receive not of her plagues. So there's a connection with kings, there's a connection <clears throat> with money, and there's a connection with sin, with his harlot, and it's not the true gospel. Come out of her, my people. The harlot and the beast are going to be destroyed. There's no question. The lamb's going to win. The beast and the harlot are both active today. And as I look at the harlot and how many times in my life I, I embrace something or I, with no intention, but just embrace things, that's not the benefit for my connection with the Lamb. But our minds get so twisted. And that's the game of the harlot. And so as we look at this battle that we're in, 
We're in a battle today against, some, some places are in a straight battle against the beast and the harlot. Some just the beast mostly, but their doctrine is pure. Some just the harlot mostly. And I believe that's where we're at today in our congregation, in our land today. Struggling against, am I going to love the Lamb and keep my eyes off the harlot gospel and focus on the doctrine of Christ? Not be swayed by the political church. Not be swayed by the the easy believism church, and not be swayed by the prosperity gospel. Not be swayed by money. There's hope ahead. There's just hope ahead. We don't have to say, you know, we're going to be in this battle forever and ever. There's hope ahead for those who are struggling to win. One day, we will win. We're looking for a win. When these headaches are behind us, and when he says in Revelation, all the former things are passed away. We're looking for a win. And we're headed that way. If you're able to, let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word of truth. I thank you for the hope of Revelation. Lord, thank you for that we can look for a home. For there will be no more sorrow, nor pain, nor tears, no more struggle, for the former things are passed away. Lord, thank you for the promise the Lamb will win. Lord, as we all inventory what marks the harlot has made on our lives in money, and thinking somehow let's straighten government out, or in sin, that we realize We come to accept things and call it grace. And you come and you call us, come out of her, my people. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who assist one another and bless one another, encourage one another to keep our eyes pure, to keep our eyes in constant concentration of our love for the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we do enjoy. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that we have for us to enjoy, and I pray, Lord, that we would use those blessings not in a selfish way, but in a way to assist and bless your kingdom for our families and for the church. Lord, I pray your blessing on us here today. In Jesus' name, amen.